stepping up. He's throwing deep. He's got Tyreek Hill wide open at the 35 left, sprinting. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Kansas City and New England for the second straight year sees the Cheetah go for 75 yards on a catch. Elliott to Prescott's left in the gun. Reed option. He's got it. Swain a block. Block to the five. Prescott runs it in. Touchdown, Cowboys. Dalton looking to throw his pass. Caught near yeah. the forward right pylon. Yeah. Yeah. Touchdown. Nice. Bengals Ooh. has Tyler Boyd. Pulls in a touchdown pass against his hometown team. Welcome, welcome. Week 7 edition of TSN 4 Downs. I'm Andy McNamara with you here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton on Twitter at TSN 4 Downs at AndyMC81. We're delivered by Domino's. Folks, grab a loaded medium feast pizza for just $10.99. Try those delicious pasta and boneless chicken side dishes. Don't forget the marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at dominoes.ca. Great show for you this morning, folks. I have Therese Paler, senior NFL writer from Yahoo Sports. We're going to be going over all the big storylines in the National Football League. Got your fantasy football coverage as well from DraftKings.com. Julian Edlow, we're going to have Ask Andy. Hashtag Ask Andy. You guys have been bringing it on Twitter. So you can tweet me at AndyMC81. At AndyMC81. Use the hashtag Ask Andy. Any I don't get to on the show, I'll do my best to get to on Twitter. But use that hashtag because... I'm a public school educated kid, folks, and it's easier for me to find. Make it easy for me, and I will try to help you out. There's a ton going on. I'm back from my my Cleveland Odyssey. That was so fun last week. The game, not so much against the Chargers, but that's the London game. 9.30 a.m. Sunday kickoff. Chargers kind of hosting the Tennessee Titans. That's from London. Some interesting matchups today. But you know what? Let's start with the news of the week. Three and out. First down. And how about this? The Dallas Cowboys improving to 3-3 three and three after a shocking, shocking victory over one of, if not the best defense in the NFL in the Jacksonville Jaguars. They put up 40, 40 points. Dak Prescott, who couldn't throw anything, and to Cole Beasley, and they just kept rolling. 40-7 to seven over the Jags. So... NFL analyst Jesse Palmer, was this the reemergence of the Cowboys offense or is it going to come back down to earth versus Washington? I think they're going to come back down to earth this weekend. I was really impressed with them putting up 40 points against what some people think is the best defense in the NFL in Jacksonville. Now they were taking advantage of two Jaguars turnovers, so Dak Prescott and that offense were able to steal some possessions. The biggest key for Dallas, and we know this week in and week out, is going to be their ability running the football, being physical up front and getting Ezekiel Elliott going. You go back and watch that Jacksonville game. They really committed to running the ball. They ran it 42 times for over 200 yards. They owned the football. They owned possession, T.O.P. in that game and that's critical. When they play better, they play other defenses, I should say, and physical defenses that take the run away. This is the question mark for the Dallas Cowboys. That wide receiver position and whether or not there's really a big difference maker in that group, I think is still the glaring weakness in this offense. Their ability to have balance week in, week out, running the football and throwing it with Dak Prescott, I think is going to be the problem. Washington is a good defense. They are a physical defense. They've got different 
difference makers, especially in the secondary uh, at the corner position. But I don't think this is a game where they steal possessions like they did against Jacksonville. One thing you see with Alex Smith, the quarterback, throughout his entire career, he always takes care of the football. So for the Dallas Cowboys this upcoming weekend, I, I don't think it's going to be the same offensively of what we saw against Jacksonville. I think they kind of come back down to earth a little bit, and they're going to have to really try and grind this one out, and it's critical they're able to run the ball. Yeah, I totally agree with Jesse Palmer there. And Washington is just one of those teams that are they're very boring. They're very average. A, the offense isn't great. That's an understatement. The defense is good, but again, not great. Like, yeah, I see this kind of as a low-scoring grinded out. So until the Cowboys can put a string together of any sort of offensive output, I'm not buying it at all. Also should mention, ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving away not one, but two Domino's Pizza Prizes today. The first will be during the show, trivia question. Okay, I'm going to have a trivia question. We're going to put it in the last segment of the show. So it's going to be around the 1140 mark. Okay, uh, so uh, trivia question to win Domino's Pizza. And the other one will be via Twitter. So stay tuned. It'll be a trivia question to win Domino's Pizza later in the show. Let's move on. Second down. Well, the rumor was that Le'Veon Bell was to make his long-awaited return to the Steelers during their bye week, which is this week. Still no Bell. His fill-in running back, James Conner, has played very well. He joined ESPN's Get Up and was asked about the conversations he's had with Bell during the season. No long conversations, but just let me know I'm doing the right things. Let me know I'm doing well. You know, after big plays and stuff, uh, you've seen the tweet and everything, and uh, I got texts from him, so, you know, things are good between us. Look, I mean... People try to keep things in-house in the locker room, and you don't want to let a lot of things out there. Because really, it does no good for you guys, although it does a lot of good for us. It gives us a lot of stuff to talk about. But really, internally, as much as you can tell us, what is it, what, what's the feeling towards Le'Veon in the locker room? Because, you know, early in the season, you know, I myself, and we talked a lot about it on this show, that it seemed like some people were annoyed with him with how yeah. he was approaching his contract situation. But yeah. in the event, when, when he does come back, how do you think the team will receive him? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I can't speak for nobody else, you know, but I know me and his relationship is good. Uh, I'm thankful I'm playing. Sure, know? Sure, so, sure. Uh, you know, I don't know how other guys will, will take it, but um, yeah, like I said, I can't speak for them, but, uh, you know, it's going to be all cool when he gets back with me. Right. Um, you know, it's just the situation we're in, so I'm not sure, but we'll see how it goes. But Ben said very publicly that you should continue to have a role even when Le'Veon comes back. What do you expect your role to be when he does return? Uh, I mean, I'm just ready to control everything I can control. Uh, you know, I, I still want to play. Obviously, when he comes back, we know what Le'Veon brings to the table. Uh, but we also see what I bring to the table, too. So, um, man, my job is just to stay ready, be available, stay healthy. And uh, when they call 30 to get in the game, just do what I do best. Quickly, do you know when he's coming back? Is, do you, does your <laughs> no. team know when he's coming back? Not a clue. Okay. This is going to be fascinating. Fascinating with James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. Because you have to think of it this way. We're in week seven. Steelers on the bye. This would have been the ideal time to get him back in, try to get him reacclimated, and, and all that. Because when he returns, it is still going to take at least two weeks for him to get into full football shape. And for the Steelers now, at this point in the year, they're in, in a division dogfight. You can't be messing around. Say, okay, Le'Veon, we'll just bench Connor, who's been doing well, and just let you find your way. They're 3 2 and 1 behind the Bengals and Ravens at 4 and 2. So. When Bell comes back, at a full workload, it would take a couple weeks. If you're halving it and you're in a division fight, what is he going to be able to do? And I wonder, before October 30, it would have to be a sign and trade, but I wonder if Le'Veon Bell might be on the move. Let's move on. 
Third down. Our friend of show from NFL Network, the football analytics expert, Cynthia Freeland. She broke down her model of the most impactful wide receivers so far in this NFL season. Fascinating stuff, as always, from Cynthia. And she's joined by Reggie Waynes and Cole Wright. So I wanted to take something into consideration that was well beyond a traditional metric. That's obviously great for fantasy and how you score fantasy points. But for me, it was more about combining those traditional stats with what happens kind of in context. So it's the first downs and scores that have to do with actually winning a game. What's most tied to winning a game? And also, what happens when you're off the ball? So do you get the best corner or do you draw double coverage in the end zone and take all of those into consideration to judge our wide receivers? And guess who came up as week six? Number one. Who would that be? Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. So obviously he has that almost 94% target reception percentage, which is huge. He earns those first downs kind of in space in the middle of the field. And also in this one, the next closest guy on his team in terms of catching passes is way lower than some of these other top names you're seeing, kind of like A.J. Green or Julio Jones. And number two, Adam Thielen. He's not as much of the off-ball guy. He doesn't draw as much of that primary coverage from, like, say, Patrick Peterson. Peterson last week, but he's helping Kirk Cousins not turn the ball over so much that it makes him number two so far this season. What do you you think about that? One and two so far, Reggie? Well, one thing about Michael Thomas, I like you can put him anywhere on the field. You don't know exactly where he's going to line up, so he can run all the routes. He can line up wherever and Obviously, he's Drew Brees' number one target. Okay. Now, Cynthia, as I took a look at that one through five, I didn't see Antonio Brown on the list. Uh, Where is he at? Which way is he trending? Well, he's trending way up. Obviously, kind of like if you want to crystallize what this metric measures, think about, you know, Cincinnati, how they lost last week. Mm -hmm. Antonio Brown, that catch-and-run giant touchdown that won the game. But in the weeks prior, as in weeks one through three, he was averaging something like under nine yards per reception. And he wasn't getting those first downs that we traditionally see from him. In part, he wasn't getting the passes that he's used to, but he's usually coming back and getting those and turning them into something that turns into wins. But it wasn't happening before. Trending up, though. That's Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network. I also think a part of the reason, a big part, that Antonio Brown has been able to sustain his success over the past couple of years is because of the emergence of Juju Smith-Schuster. So He's been so good that it takes away the double-team option from Brown because if you do, Juju will go burn the secondary. So I think that tandem is a big reason why Antonio Brown, obviously his exceptional talent as well, but you have that other option where you can't double-team, that's huge. Okay, let's punt to the poll question, folks, at TSN4Downs and at AndyMC81, so you can vote in the poll at TSN4Downs. Question is, which of these successful teams through six weeks in the NFL season is most likely to make an early playoff exit? So who's a pretender? Is it the Bengals, the Chargers, the Saints, or the Ravens? And, of course, the Bengals always look good in September, October, a little bit into November, and then have not won a playoff game under Marvin Lewis in like 15 years. So there may be the obvious answers, but if you look at this year in a nutshell, the Chargers flash hot and cold. The Saints, remember, they they look so good and got burned by the Vikings a year ago, and that's when their defense was better. Can they keep it up? And then the Baltimore Ravens, a little hot and cold. They have the weapons on offense, but then they got shut down by the Browns. The defense was great, and then not so much. So I think it's an interesting conversation. I'm going to go. I think the Bengals is the, the obvious answer. It's the leader in the clubhouse. But I would also say... A little bit of a dark horse who might be a pretender is the Ravens if they get in. And again, it goes back to just the fact that the running game's inconsistent and you might have a a little bit of, of 
when Baltimore gets back in and if they're forced to put up points and when you have not really a true number one, Crabtree, Brown, Sneed, does anybody step up? Do all of them do? There's, there's been some, again, I'll use that word, inconsistency with the Ravens. So you can vote at TSN 4 Downs at AndyMC81. We're going to take the break and get into... Some fantasy football advice from DraftKings fantasy football analyst Julian Edlow. That is next on TSN 4 Downs. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto and TSN 1150 Hamilton. Rolling along here on TSN 4 Downs NFL Week 7 edition here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, the show at TSN4Downs, Instagram at AndyMCSports. You can shoot along your fantasy football questions using hashtag AskAndy at AndyMC81. And don't forget, the final segment of the show, I'll be giving away the first of two Domino's Pizza Prizes. The one in show will be a trivia question. So we'll give out the phone number and open the phone lines in the final segment. So that will be after uh, Therese Paler of Yahoo Sports, their senior NFL writer. Will join us in a few minutes. But Domino's Pizza giveaways time, baby. We'll get to our big three game picks as well. But I caught up with DraftKings fantasy football analyst Julian Edlow a little bit earlier to get some fantasy football tips heading into the week. Julian, it's week seven. There are four teams on buys and some heavy hitters are absent. So I thought, you know what, man, let's get you on and let's look at things from a DFS angle, from a league year-long angle, and go through some starts and sits. We're really we're going to help out our listeners here on TSN 4 Downs. Let's begin with quarterback. Who's a start for you this week? Yeah, I really like Baker Mayfield in this spot. Oh. Um and simply because of that, the spot that he's in, the, going up against the Tampa Bay defense has been something that, that hasn't let a quarterback down yet this season from a fantasy perspective. So he's a guy I think if you need a bye week filler for, for Aaron Rodgers or whoever, uh, he's a guy that I would trust in season long. And then on DraftKings for only 5800 he is in a really affordable uh, price range considering the matchup against Tampa. It's just been a home run spot week after week, and uh, you know that makes guys like Jarvis Landry, like David Njoku, all really good plays. I think on this slate. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. And as you said, whether it's for a bye week film or if you're looking for value on your DraftKings lineup, you just slide them in there and then spend the big money elsewhere, right? Absolutely, we got a lot of big money plays this week so, that are really good as well. You know that now for a sit. What QB are you staying away from? I actually just don't feel like I can trust Drew Brees at Baltimore. I don't feel like I can trust Drew Brees on the road anywhere that's outdoors. Um, He's not a – if he's on your season long and you don't have a better option, he's still Drew Brees. You can probably get away with playing him. But he wasn't a good play at the Giants this year, and that was his only other outdoor game. Um, I mean, he gets away with obviously eight at home, but then – you got games in Atlanta, obviously, in that division. He, he plays a good amount of games indoors, and Baltimore's been a really solid defense. He's, his price pops out on DraftKings if you're looking at DFS because he's just $5,700. You see Baker Mayfield, who we just talked about, $100 more expensive. You go, oh, that doesn't make any sense. I'll take Mayfield over Breeze in uh, season-long or on my DraftKings lineup all, all week. Yeah, especially with that lineup because, or with that matchup against the Baltimore Ravens because they are so stingy and the Bucks are, are sibling. Now, they'll put up a lot of points themselves, but they'll also give up a lot. Okay, let's go to a wide receiver. Give me a start and sit. 
Yeah, so at wide receiver, a start, I guess. It's not all that deep of a play, but DeAndre Hopkins has been really downplayed this week against Jacksonville. And I just don't think there's all that much to worry about. I'm more worried about Deshaun Watson's health than I am mm-hmm. the Jacksonville defense. Um, Hopkins has been pretty matchup proof. I, I think he has the best hands in the NFL. He brings everything in that's that's anywhere near catchable. And he's performed well against Jacksonville in the past. He had two good games against them last season. So he's a guy that people kind of have, have issues with this week. And as long as Deshaun Watson's going to be out there and able to get the ball to him, I think he's fine. And in terms of a value start, I, I really like Jermaine Kier with uh, with the Jets. Quincy Anunua was was the guy there. He was soaking in all the targets, and he goes down with an ankle injury. And Kiers comes in, catches nine of ten targets for ninety four yards. Uh, and the Minnesota defense has been has not lived up to the hype this year. So I think it's a good matchup for him as well. And he's a guy that's just forty one hundred on DraftKings, so a really safe sleeper. Not necessarily sleeper, but a really safe value play right there for him. I think that's a, a smart play there. Uh, and now for a sit for wide receiver, someone who's uh, may, maybe a little overhyped this week. Yeah, a sit for wide receiver. Uh, there's not necessarily a stud that I think you have to stay away from. Um, I guess maybe I'm not as high on Mike Evans. Uh, you've got Michael Thomas, I guess. I don't want to give you all faith, but like, if you don't like Breeze, you don't like Thomas. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to go with another big name, I guess Mike Evans... People are kind of higher than I am on Jameis Winston this week. Um, I get it, but those big numbers last week were were a product of that shootout against Atlanta. It was in a dome. Um, I just feel like I I don't completely trust Winston, and Cleveland has a much better defense than they've gotten credit for. So I think Mike Evans, sure, he'll have a decent game, but I don't think he's going to have this big blow-up game that everybody thinks he could have. You know what's one intriguing situation, I guess, here, Julian, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. T.Y. Hilton, he's questionable with the hamstring. He's practicing Friday. Now, if he doesn't go, we know the value for Chester Rogers has been through the roof. Ryan Grant as well. He's more on yep. the slot. But but Chester Rogers really kind of, his his success directly lines up with T.Y. Hilton. I guess that's somebody who, boy, it's a game-time decision. And maybe T.Y., it's a big name but boy, with those hammies, you're one you're one route away from being out of the game. I, like I, I'm thinking, I'm probably going to stay away from Ty. What do you think? Yeah, that makes sense if he plays. And you know, another bad team with a defense that gets overlooked is Buffalo. Their mm-hmm. defense has been pretty solid lately. Ever really ever since week one, when they just got mopped by Baltimore. Um, so yeah, uh, banged up Ty Hilton. He could always come back out of the game. He was dealing with multiple injuries initially when he went out, I think. So it just doesn't feel like a good spot for him, even if he plays. People might get on him as a leverage play for low ownership, but you can't you can't deny that the spot is not good for him. Yeah, it's a little dicey. All right, we're running back. A start and a sit. Yeah, so for sit, <laughs> I don't want to hammer the Saints too much because I gave you Breeze, but... <laughs> You don't have to sit Alvin Kamara in in season long necessarily, and I don't think there's any stud that uh, you really have to stay away from. But Alvin Kamara, I just don't like the spot against the Ravens. They rank number one against running backs this season. And we saw in Ingram's uh, return that he doubled up Kamara in touches, 18-9. to Um, So if you're playing DraftKings, the PPR definitely helps his value because Kamara is always going to be running routes. But He's a guy from a, from a DFS perspective this week. 
I think you fade both Kamara and Ingram. Yeah, I, I'm with you there because I want to see how it plays out strategy-wise. Like, was that just, hey, welcome back, Ingram. Here's a bunch of carries. And then it'll go back to a sh- more of an even share like last year. Or I, I'm i with you. On, on DFS, I want to have a wait and see with Kamara. It's Exactly. Wait and see is the way that you have to go because I do think that they wanted to kind of celebrate Ingram in that first game. Yeah. And it's going to even out a little bit more. But, but we got to yeah, see it. We don't, need to, we don't need to risk it against a good team like Baltimore. Maybe if they were playing a bad defense, we could, but I don't think we need to do it this week. Exactly. Uh, and then for, for tight end, this is a position that has been decimated. It has been ugly. It has been gross. <laughs> uh, Juliet, I got to think here as far as somebody you'd look for that. Um, I picked him off of my waiver wire in RTSN Fantasy League. O.J. Howard, I'm, I'm signing up for him all day. Uh, who do you got for a start and sit for a tight end? Yeah, I don't mind O.J. Howard. Um, from a, a DFS standpoint, well, for uh, for leagues in terms of guys that you want to start, like Austin Hooper was a guy that mm. wasn't, uh, I think he was owned maybe like half of leagues and stuff, and he's had a couple of really good games, a couple of games with double-digit targets. If he's a guy lying around in your long league, I think you pick him up and start him on Monday night against the Giants, and you can get away with him at starting tight end for like the rest of the year. Uh, Julian, and all, all the, the different DraftKings contests, like DraftKings.com, you can go, you can do the classic, you can do the tier games. I like the showdown one with the captain, like where it's like the one and a half time value, but you get one and a half the times mm-hmm. points like that. Is there any general strategy for people playing those? Because I know like my wife is playing this, is that game and she doesn't watch football. She just thinks it's really like she, she's getting <laughs> into it. So is there any strategy when you're looking at that? And I'm not going to tell her whatever you tell me. <laughs> well, it's definitely fun that, you know, you don't want to have to pay attention to the whole slate and you're watching your team or you're just watching a primetime game or whatever to just be able to jump in on a game and the fantasy focus is strictly on what you're watching. In terms of the strategy, because it's game by game, I think it completely depends on the game. Um, you know, if, if it's a... Uh, not as good of a matchup and there's really only one stud in the game, maybe you have to captain that player just to capitalize on the points. But if it's like, if it's like last weekend, last Sunday night, I wanted to fit so many. We wound up seeing 83 points. I, I had to have Tom Brady. I had to have Mahomes. Obviously you can't captain them both and you want to fit some of their receivers and stuff in there as well. I wound up captaining Steven Goskowski and he had ah, a huge game. One kicker. So many field goals and extra points. So right. if you want to go, you know, the kicker route, the defense route, if it's going to be a low scoring game so that you can fit more offensive weapons, you can do that. So it's such a game by game approach to, to figure out kind of how to solve that puzzle. But I, to answer your question, I think you can do any position, including the kicker. Including the kicker. I like it. Well, Julian, great stuff, brother. And people can find your stuff at DKPlaybookDraftKings.com, NBA content as well. And you post it all on Twitter at Julian Edlow. Really appreciate the time. For sure. Thanks, Andy. All right, there he goes, Julian Edlow of DraftKings. After the break, I'll connect with senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, Therese Paler, to go over some of the big storylines entering Week 7 in the National Football League. You're listening to TSN 4 Downs on TSN 1050 Toronto and TSN 1150 Hamilton. Back we are, TSN 4 Downs, TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. If you miss any of the show, you can get us on iTunes on the TSN 1050.ca show page or up in the 
Link on Twitter, at AndyMC81, at TSN4Downs, and Instagram, at AndyMCSports. We are delivered by Domino's. Get yourself a loaded medium feast pizza for just $10.99. Check out all the great carryout and delivery deals at Domino's.ca. And I will be giving away two Domino's pizza prizes this week on the show. The first will be a trivia question in the last segment. So after we talk to Therese Paler... I'll tell you what the trivia question is, and the other will be a giveaway on Twitter. So make sure you're following at TSN4Downs and at AndyMC81. But I caught up with the senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, Therese Paler, a little bit earlier on. Therese, the NFL trade deadline coming up October 30, and some early movement Friday we saw in the afternoon. Cleveland Browns trading Carlos Hyde to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a fifth rounder, which... It seems a little bizarre to me as far as the return that the Browns are getting, but Leonard Fournette is out with that hamstring injury. You have T.J. Yeldon. Jamal Charles hasn't produced. What do you think of this deal for both sides? Oh, yeah, so for the Browns, they just want to they want to get Nick Chubb on the field. You know, Chubb is a second-round pick from this past year, somebody they're very high on. They're just trying to create carries for him, and they know that, Johnson Jr. still the best third down back on the team. So to, to create the reps for Nick Chubb, you got to trade high. So it's pretty simple there. And then for the Jaguars, for Nets hurt. And Yeldon's a better pass catcher than he is between the tackles or right. natural runner. So you need somebody that can carry the mail a little bit and be physical. I like the trade for both teams. I get it. I don't think the conversation is that much. But I think that for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team whose offense is struggling right now, Somebody like Hyde can give them a little bit of juice and kind of get them back on the winning track. I actually really like it for both teams. Yeah, he's a, a move-the-pile type of back for sure. Now, I, I love I love this this tweet uh, from at Therese Paler, and you have it uh, as a conversation piece on your Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with your partner Charles Robinson. He said, it, it, the, the tweet says, if you're the Giants, what would you give up for Derek Carr? And this kind of goes into... Again, with the NFL trade deadline coming up and with the Khalil Mack trade and John Gruden saying, okay, no, we're not trading Amari Cooper. It's not a fire sale, but people think, well, eh, maybe, maybe it could be. Do you think that's a real possibility for Derek Carr to go to the Giants and be the next one after Eli? Yeah, especially if they have no new interest in being patient with whoever they could draft in the first round yeah. next year. You know, Carr's got some experience under his belt. He could immediately come in and play. I think he'll be better under Pat Shermer, who's very, very good with quarterbacks. And remember, Shermer got the most out of Case Keenum last year. That's right. Okay? So uh, you got your issues with Carr. Like, he doesn't chuck it downfield that much. Uh, but but he's a quality quarterback, and he's only, like, 26. He's not that old. You know, like, guys get better with age. So, look, if I'm the Giants, I, I mean, I stand by it. I seriously consider it. Because I think that that's a team that's trying to win quickly. And I'm not crazy about this upcoming quarterback class. And I, I see what uh, I see what Oakland wants for the guy. Now, what about Amari Cooper, who we mentioned? And Gruden, again, denied it. But there's a lot of teams that if he's healthy, I uh, think he his upside, we've seen what he can do. And it's just a, a, a sure. down year for everybody. Do you think Amari Cooper could be on the move? And, and where do you think might make sense? I mean, I'm just looking at, you know, the AFC you know, we know that the Patriots need speed at receiver. Yeah. Cooper's a good player, man. He's only he 24 years old. Like the fact he's being traded has more to do with Oakland's stupidity than uh, <laughs> anything that's got to do with Cooper. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're rebuilding, so it is what it is. You know, I, I think that if I'm any team that needs a receiver, I, I tell you, I have no hesitation going to get Amari Cooper 
and then just paint him, okay? Because, you know, he's young. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. And I, I just think that more than anything, he's been a little affected by the culture in Oakland and uh, just kind of how things have been going there. So, yeah, I hey, I got no hesitation if I need to receiver going after that guy. I'm with you too and especially in the last it's not a guarantee just like any position but coming out of the draft it's not like we've seen receivers light the world on fire immediately and if you can go get an Amari Cooper straight away put him in a good situation a change of scenery I love that move so I'm with you I think you you pay whatever is needed to the Oakland Raiders who uh, are on the bye week this week and and Therese you also tweeted out at Therese Paylor the uh, and I, I love this. It's the in this week's edition of Things I Enjoyed, one of them, Matt Nagy channeling Andy Reid. And, of course, Nagy was the old Kansas City offensive coordinator before becoming the head coach of the Chicago Bears. What do you think of this Bears offense, man? I'm still a little hesitant to say. I to, like it. You're right? I know it sounds like I like everything, but you, <laughs> you're picking stuff that I I'm like. Picking, I'm picking good um, stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. No, like the truth is, yeah, like I, I like the Bears offense, man. How many of us could have thought before the season that the Bears' offense, that the Bears would be three and two, number one? Oh, yeah. And then number two, that the Bears' offense would be looking pretty sweet right now, man. I know they're coming off that loss, but, like, if you watch that game against Miami, like, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky was slinging it a little bit, he man. He was? He had a couple of, like, stupid interceptions. But <laughs> I got to tell you, man, Trubisky was pretty impressive. He definitely looks like a guy who's being coached right now. And I, you know, I think Nagy gets some credit for that. You know, I think that that's that that's uh, that's something. That's something, and I think that's a really good sign for his development going forward. Well, and then of course you got Khalil Mack there. Now, with with this game, you're playing the New England Patriots, and I'm about you, Therese, but I think with Belichick and and Brady, Mack's effectiveness might be neutralized a little bit in this because Brady gets rid of the ball so fast that Mack might not have time to actually get to him. Um, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, there's probably something to that. You know, like they, Patriots are a ball specialist offense. They get the ball out. You know, you better hope that, uh, you know, you're silent on the back end. But, yeah, uh, yeah. the thing is, like, the Bears defense is, is more than just back. It just, like, it's just, like, that's just a, that's a yeah, good, well coached group, man. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, just yeah. a good, well coached group. It's, it, it... I want to look here at the NFC East with you, Therese. And this, is there a more, outside of the Eagles, because I think the Eagles are start, we're starting to see Carson Wentz find his way. But outside of that, this is the most average uh, division in football. Like, you got the Cowboys and Redskins. I, I, do, you, do you have any confidence outside of the Eagles in any one of these teams, no. which includes the Giants? No. Not, Nothing. No, not this year. Well, I, I do think, like, I covered Alex Smith for five years. So, yeah. like, if one thing I know is that they're going to finish with at least eight wins, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're going to they're gonna finish with at least eight. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'd feel okay about that if I were them. Um, but, like, you know, I think the Giants are obviously rebuilding. You know, and I think uh, – you know, the Cowboys offense a train wreck, no matter what you saw against Jacksonville on Sunday. Uh, yeah, it is not a very inspiring division. No, that's for sure. No, and for the Cowboys, what happened? It was Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott coming in, house on fire a couple of years ago, everything going great. I guess the wide receivers disappeared because outside of Zeke, there's Cole Beasley. You're going to rely on a five foot eight slot guy. Is it is it mainly the lack, just simply the lack of weapons? Like, do you feel if Prescott had some guys to actually chuck it up to? This team would be a whole lot better. 
No, no, no. It goes deeper than that. I actually like Beasley. He's the best weapon. He can play. He starts for a lot of teams. Yeah. The, the problem is that the offense is. First of all, the offensive line is not as good as it used to be, mm-hmm. right? Like, that was like that the strength. group from 2016 was amazing. Yeah. You yeah. know, and like Frederick's her like, it's just different now. It's just different now, um, you know? And also, like, the offensive creativity just is not there. <laughs> like, it's not there. They also missed, like, 2015 Des Bryant. You know, it, it, <laughs> there's, there's a bit of a talent issue there, sure. But, you know, a lot of it has to do with just the offensive line kind of declining. Des Bryant not being prime Des Bryant, not being there, and, you know, the offensive play calling not being create, creative enough to make up for it. And last one for you here, Therese. Uh, Arizona Cardinals firing offensive coordinator Mike McCoy. Second year in a row he's been fired midseason. <laughs> uh, listen, I know it's play calling, but I don't know how much you can actually put on McCoy. What do you think of the, of the firing and the Cardinals the rest of the way? They are a disaster. Yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah, I'm sure they're going to end up being the 99 Rams now. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> listen, like, their, their, their offensive skill talent, like, their offensive talent, like, sucks. Like, aside from, like, David Johnson, and, like, I like Christian Kirk, but he hasn't been terribly productive, and Larry Larry Fitzgerald, like, what the offensive line's not good. No. You know, I just, I'm, I'm not sure, like, what they're expecting offensively. You know, Josh Rosen's a rookie quarterback. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure... Like, what's sacrificing Mike McCoy to the football gods is supposed to accomplish when, to be honest, this team is rebuilding kind of anyway. Mm-hmm. Their first-year head coach, you know, like they're, to do that shows that like their, their mission is not in line with, like, reality. Right. Like, you think they're going to be a lot better than 1-5? I think they're going to win three games this year. I'm with you. Like, I just don't see it. So, like, what are you – like? <laughs> And let me let me tell you this too. Like, if you were, they they should have had a better understanding of like what the offensive talent on this team was, because they, you know what, they'd be in a heck of a better spot if they'd hired a younger coordinator and like taking a chance on him and let let him grow. But now, instead, you know, they're gonna go. They went with McCoy. It didn't work. Now he's gonna have to hire somebody else, and then there's gonna be an adjustment period all over again. So, yeah, I don't don't know if they have, like, their plan in place No, (laughs) in Phoenix, in Arizona. You know what I'm saying? I've advised her, as I've advised Cardinals fans, to uh, start watching a lot of college football because you're going to be picking pretty high in the draft. Yeah, that's about right. (laughs) All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much. And listen, I want you to be able to plug. you got a heck of a story coming out. Yeah, um, I, I went to Miami this last week to sit down with Xavier Howard. Dolphins star cornerback. I think he's one of the rising stars in the NFL at cornerback. He's one of the few people who travel week to week with the top receivers more and more. I think he is really uh, – he's 25 years old. He's, he's a really good player already. But I think he's going to be a star. I got a chance to sit down with him and talk with him about what makes uh, what makes him who he is. And that was growing up in the rough and tumble fifth ward, Houston, where uh, he literally witnessed a murder right before his eyes. Wow. And it changed his life. Um, you know, and also he had some, you know, tough area, right? So, you know, sometimes family gets involved with some stuff going on and, you know, the person was most responsible for getting him in sports got into some trouble and that affected him too. So uh, the video is up on Yahoo. The story is up. Um, I encourage you guys to check that out. Yahoo Sports, um, Therese Paler and Xavier Howard, Miami Dolphins. I appreciate it for checking it out. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like a great video, great story, and we'll, we will check it out. And people can follow you on Twitter, at Therese Paler. Thanks, buddy. Really appreciate the time. 
All right, have a good one, man. All right, there you go, Tris Paler, senior NFL writer from Yahoo Sports. Trivia time, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, it is time for a Domino's giveaway. One of two. The other one will be via Twitter at AndyMC81 at TSN 4 Downs. But this trivia question, call in 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. First caller with the right answer to this question. How many quarterbacks have started for the Cleveland Browns since 1999? Yeah, it's a Browns question. Deal with it. You're getting free pizza. What do you want? How many quarterbacks have started for the Cleveland Browns since 1999? First caller with the right answer wins a Domino's Pizza Prize, 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050. We'll have hashtag AskAndy fantasy football questions next, as well as our big three game picks and some fantasy football sleepers to help you out. That's next to wrap up TSN 4 Downs. Back to wrap up TSN 4 Downs NFL Week 7 Edition. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1150 Hamilton. A winner. Took to caller number 6, though, to get it for a trivia question for Domino's Pizza Giveaway. A prize giveaway. Giving away another one. Don't worry. But the trivia question was, how many starting quarterbacks have the Cleveland Browns had since 1999? The answer is 30, which makes me weak. Yes. Yeah. It's sad, but it's 30, and Baker Mayfield hopefully is the last one for a long time. But the winner is Patrick from Toronto. So congratulations to Patrick. I'll be giving away another one this week on Twitter. So make sure you're following at TSN4Downs, at AndyMC81, and follow me there, and I'll tell you later on today how to win another Domino's Pizza prize. But, hey, fantasy football time. You guys have been bringing it all week long, and I'm here to help you out. Let's go. It's time for Ask Andy with TSN 4 Downs fantasy analyst Andy McNamara. You can join the conversation on Twitter and get your fantasy football questions answered by tweeting at AndyMC81 using the hashtag AskAndy. There you go, producer Sean Lavery. Let's bring you in, buddy boy. First what question do we got? comes from at AmeriFans, hashtag AskAndy. I added Nick Chubb after the Browns traded away Carlos Hyde. I'm also looking for a bounce-back game from John Brown as the Ravens' number one vertical threat. Should I play Chubb versus the Tampa D or Brown versus the Saints? And according to Amer fans, the Saints have allowed the most points to wide receivers so far this season. This is a great question, and I love it, because the immediate thought is go with Nick Chubb because Hyde is gone, and he would immediately become the number one back. Well, here's what we all need to realize. Nick Chubb is not a pass catching running back. That role in the Cleveland backfield belongs to Duke Johnson. And if this game goes in the typical Tampa Bay shootout fashion, the Browns will have to throw the ball more to get away from the run because it will be a back and forth and likely a high scoring game. So I'll go with Brown for a rebound game, even though it's tough to predict production out of the trio of Crabtree, Brown, and Sneed, who have all been able to eat at different times in the year on that Ravens offense. So you're going up against that sieve-like Saint secondary, Browns. Brown has a better chance, I think, for a bigger fantasy day than Chubb. This one comes from at Matt14, hashtag AskAndy. One of these running backs has to be eliminated. Is mm. it Mark Ingram of the Saints or James White of the Patriots? It's a half PPR league. Yeah, well, both. This is, this is tough because you have Chicago giving up the fewest fantasy points to running backs and Baltimore giving up the second fewest 
to fa- to running backs in fantasy. So it's kind of a pick your poison. The good news is both were a little banged up earlier in the week. Both have been deemed clear to play and healthy. But I expect uh, Alvin Kamara's share to bounce back in a split with Ingram. So I'm going to give James White the edge because he's a pass catcher out of the backfield, and that opens him up to more use no matter which way the offensive game plan goes for New England. Our final hashtag Ask Andy of the Week comes from at Massey85. It's a two-parter, uh, regular PPR league. Pick one of these elite running backs, LaShawn McCoy of the Bills or Alvin Kamara of the Saints, and then pick one of these quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, mm. who is home to Cleveland this week, or Drew Brees, who is on the road in Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to say on the running back side, go with McCoy. You have Derek Anderson in off his couch, right? And they're playing Indianapolis middle of the road against running backs. I think McCoy's going to have a big workload, and he's also that nice little safety valve for Anderson we can dump it off to there. So I'd say go McCoy. At quarterback, I'm going to say Jameis Winston because the Browns, outside of Denzel Ward, they have starter Denzel Ward on the other side. You're down to your third third-string corner against that, and you have all those weapons, right? Tight ends, you have Howard, you have Bray, you got Evans, you got Jackson. It's it's a real, it's a, uh, we know Winston can turn the ball over, but I think he's going to have a bigger fantasy day than Drew Brees, who's up against that tough Baltimore defense. So there you go, folks. Hashtag AskAndy on Twitter, at AndyMC81. If I didn't get to your questions there, I will try to ask, answer them on Twitter before the Sunday kickoff. But let's get to our big three locks of the week. And producer Sean, you got an update from from last week, right? For last week's picks. I do, recapping last week's picks. So you had the Vikings at home favored by 10 against the Cardinals, and the Vikings won by 10, so I gave you the push. The push. I had That's a win. No, that's spot on. When has a bookie ever made it easy on you? Ten points is ten points. Wow. This is why I think Alt Line should be uh, half points, like nine I agree and a half with you or there. ten and a half, because then it's a clear win or loss. That's an asterisk. Uh, I had the Bills covering the ten point spread at Houston. Mm-hmm. They did that, so I'm correct. And technical producer Arad had the Broncos covering a seven point spread against the Rams, and they did that as well. So Arad and I undefeated so far in the Big Three. Wow, undefeated with a either one and one or o oh, one and one record for myself. It's a push. You cocky guys. All right. Well, you know what? Our Big Threes of the week. I'm going. Falcons on Monday night football, four-point favorites over the Giants. Giants are a mess. They're a disaster. And Pat Shermer, who used to be the head coach of the Browns, sucks as a head coach. People say, oh, he's so good with quarterback. I don't care. Some guys are better offensive coordinators and can't be a head coach. Nothing wrong with that. But Pat Shermer, when I see that dopey look on his face on the sidelines, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's Pat. There's the Pat I know. Falcons offense, it's going to be too much, I think. And uh, I just don't, I think they win and they cover. I can see them winning by six. Sean, who do you got? Uh, my pick's all about trends this week. I got the Jets covering a three and a half point spread at home against the Vikings. Uh, mm. New York scored 42 points last week. That trend's going to continue. The Vikings' D hasn't been as dominant as uh, we've expected this season. That trend will continue. And the home underdog has done really well this year across the league. So I expect that trend to continue. Uh, so the Jets, as a home underdog against the Vikings, by three and a half points, I like them to cover that. To cover that. Gutsy call, Shawnee. Gutsy call with the Vikings. Look like they're a bit back on track, but the Jets, they're a little unpredictable with Sam Bradford, right? You got the spikes of a rookie quarterback. Will he fall? A little unpredictable, but I like the gutsy call. All right, who do you got? Who's your big three lock? Two weeks in a row, I went with the Rams on the road and the team at home covering the spread. Okay. Both weeks, I was right. Thanks to garbage time touchdown drives. <laughs> Fantasy Yay. player and a betting man's best friend. Exactly. This week, I was really tempted to do the same thing. 49ers at home, 9.5 point underdog. But, Andy, I'm going to curb the trend. 
if it ain't broke, do fix it. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. For some reason, the Lions are favored by three points. Ooh. The game's in Miami. Okay. Now, I know Brock Osweiler might as well be a pylon. Oh, but he had 28 fantasy points last week. That is true. But the Lions are 30th in the league when it comes to rush defense. Okay. So I think Frank Gore and Kenny on Drake will run all over them. Frank Gore's still doing it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I fancy the Dolphins winning outright or at least winning covering outright. the spread. With Brock Osweiler, can he do it twice in a row? All right, that's your gutsiest pick yet, baby. I like it. Thank you, sir. I like it. And you can, well, we're going to tweet those out with the show link at TSN4Downs at AndyMC81. Tweet us yours, okay? Tweet us your lock of the week. And if we like it, maybe we'll read it out on the show next week. Uh, for my sleeper picks, I'll read off a couple real quick, and you can find it at DK Playbook at DraftKings.com. I'll tweet it out at AndyMC81 at quarterback. Loving CJ Beathard of the 49ers, 4800 bucks linked up, and is linking up nicely with George Kittle, his college tight end, and he's accurate. As long as he can keep the turnovers down, we could be looking at a shootout with the Rams. That'll force him to pop it up. And then at uh, wide receiver with all those buys this week, you're losing Juju switch shoots, you're losing Brown, you're losing a whole lot of guys. Taylor Gabriel of the Bears. D- DFS, 4700 bucks. He's going to be available likely on your waiver wire. Snatch him up. That New England defense is Bad. It can be had, and he's been putting up double-digit fantasy points the last two weeks. Nice chemistry with Mitch Trubisky. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. You missed any of the show, we'll have it pinned up on Twitter at AndyMC81 and on iTunes. Remember, one more Domino's Pizza giveaway on Twitter, so stay tuned for that. For Sean Lavery, for Aratus Vandy, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN 4 Down.